Welcome to C4 Church Online, equipping you as you follow Jesus. Good morning. Shout out to our friends in C4 Bowmanville, C4 Port Perry. People are going to watch this online. I'm so glad to be with you this morning. It's just an honor to be here. About 10 or 11 years ago, I had just finished university. I was living in Waterloo. And I moved into a place with some female friends called the Palace. And it was called the Palace because it was anything but a palace. Um, by about six months into living there, um, we actually had to, the, the door had broken on the, the front door lock, so we had to enter the house by crawling through the window. Um, I never told my mom that, but today she was here in the first service and she, she learned that. And so, <laughs> pretty unsafe. But uh, when I lived in this house, it was that time of life uh, for a lot of, you know, single young people where you're getting together with other people, you're starting, you're, you're not starting to date, you are dating and you're looking for a partner. And, and so one of the girls that I live with, we started to notice that she was interested in this guy. And we started to notice that he was interested in her. And the reason that we noticed this in the house is because she started acting a little differently. You know how you start acting, you know, you've, we've all seen this. We know this in ourselves. You act a little different when you might be interested in someone. You're, you know, maybe you're dressing a little better, putting a little more effort in. Uh, you know, she got a nice haircut, colored it. She showered and washed her hair more, you know. All those, you know, women in the audience understand the washing of the hair is a sign of you're really into it. You got to wash your hair. And so one day, one day she came out into our poor excuse for a living room and uh, she enters the room and she's got these rubber boots on and she's got these scrubby old clothes and her hair is pulled back. And we're like, where you going? What you doing? And she was so excited because this man of interest had invited her to go to the garbage dump. <laughs> like, sorry, what? You're going to the garbage dump? Like, what on earth? Why? What? Yeah, so I don't know. I think they were going to, like, dig for treasures or something. I think he had in mind that maybe he could find a part for his bike. And so they were going to dig at the garbage dump together. And so we've begun ever since then to use this garbage dump as a reference in our circle of friends of guys and girls of if someone's starting to really get serious in a relationship. I mean, I mean, I know, man, like I know you like her, but like, is she garbage dump material? I don't know. And so we've begun to use this and we've, for more than a decade now, we've talked about, yeah, but would you go to the garbage dump with them? And so because the point of this garbage dump, this date, if you could call it that, was it was never about where they were going. It was about who she went with, right? It's not about going to the garbage dump or going to a nice restaurant. It was about the person who invited her to do it. And when you're interested, when you're trying to get to know someone, you, you'll go a lot of unusual places and you might even wash your hair a little more. In this uh, few moments, we have a half hour together. We're going to uh, do a few things. I'm going to talk to you about the practice of yes. As I like to call it, we're going to look at a scripture, some Bible story about the practice of yes. And I'm going to share a little bit about my own story 
about how I have come to faith in Jesus over the course of my life. And that's what this whole sermon series is about, this whole summer. We're looking at different people who've been on the platform here, sharing stories of, of why and how they've come to become a Christian, why they love Jesus. And, uh, and then finally, at the end of this message, I'm gonna invite you to say yes. It might be your first yes, or it might be your next yes, but I'm gonna invite you. See, yes, this practice of yes, this invitation, it's to take a leap of faith. It's to risk oneself in a new and often scary relationship. You're not really sure where you're going and what's going to happen and where it will lead, but you say yes out of faith. I'm going to invite you in a sec. I'd love you to stand with me because although I come from an evangelical kind of background, I did my seminary studies. I studied theology in an Anglican seminary. And they have this beautiful tradition that when the Gospels are read, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the stories of Jesus, when they do these stories, they ask the whole congregation to stand in, in respect of the text. So I invite you to stand with me as we read this text. We're going to be in Luke chapter 5 starting at verse 1. One day, as Jesus was standing by the Sea of Galilee, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon Peter, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water. Let's go, let down the nets for a catch. And Simon answered, master, I mean, we've worked hard all night and we haven't caught anything. But because you say so, yes, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full, they began to sink. So when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. For he and his companions, they were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. These are his co-workers. Then Jesus said to Simon Peter, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore. They left everything and they followed him. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. You may be seated. So we see in this text a few questions that Jesus asks and a few responses from this guy, Simon Peter. We see the two names because his name was Simon, but then later he gets renamed to Peter. So Simon or Peter, Simon Peter. And uh, it's simply, can I borrow your boat? Yes hey, let's uh, throw down the nets for a catch. All right, yes. And then, how would you come follow me? We're going to fish for people. And he says, yes. See, there's a bit of a track record that we're not going to go into that part of the story, but in the previous chapter of the book, we see that... Um, Simon Peter's been hanging out a little bit around Jesus. In fact, in the previous chapter, if you'd like to read it for yourself, uh, Jesus actually heals uh, Simon's mother-in-law. Uh, so she, um, he sees this miraculous healing. But Jesus at that point hadn't really asked Peter anything. He's just kind of observing. He's kind of checking out who this Jesus guy is. So when he's asked first, hey, can I borrow your boat? Doesn't seem like a big deal because they are starting to have form a little relationship, but can I borrow your boat? And then it moves towards this much bigger ask by the end of their, their day together. 
But so you notice that in this story, it's just one question, one opportunity to say yes at a time, one invitation at a time. See, in the story, Jesus isn't like, all right, Peter, like here we are down by the lake and here's the plan for your life. All right, we're gonna like do this fishing thing, but don't really worry about that. You're not gonna do that anymore because you're gonna do the fishers of men thing, fishers of men and women. And then from there, you're gonna see these amazing miracles. We're gonna go preach everywhere. It's gonna be crazy. You're even gonna walk on water. It's gonna blow your mind. And then later on, well, there's this really like down moment between us where you deny me three times when I really needed a friend. But like, we're gonna cover that later, I got you, because later you're gonna preach to thousands, thousands are gonna convert, and like 2,000 years later, all around the world, people are going to know who you are, and they're gonna read the letters that you wrote, it's called the, part of the New Testament, and um, there's this place in Rome, the Vatican, they're gonna build this really big thing and call it St. Peter's, millions of people every year are gonna come, and Michelangelo will do some sculpting, and you, you'll love it. Of course, he doesn't do that. He just says, hey, Peter, can I borrow your boat? So when does Simon Peter become a Christian in his life story? I think there are lots of moments where he makes yes decisions to follow Jesus. There are lots of moments in his life where he does these amazing confessions of who Jesus is and that he is God, and, and yet there are these moments of failure and the moments of coming back. And so this is actually why I love this story in relation to my own story of faith. Because I can't exactly pinpoint a moment in my life where I became a Christian. And some of us can. Some of us have a profound moment where we pray and invite God to be part of our life for Jesus as our savior and the leader of our life. I don't have a moment. In fact, when I was a kid, every time in church, I grew up in church, Whitby Free Methodist Church down the road was where I spent the first number of years of my life, and every time there was an opportunity to invite Jesus into my little heart, yes, yes, yes. I raised my hand, I wrote the thing on the card, I went to the front, every time, just in case, didn't work the last time, I'm gonna do it again. Any of you do that? Any of you know what I'm talking about? You've done this too, church kids? Um, but. Uh, my, my parents lived faith in front of me. Uh, they, if you, if my parents go to this church as well, if you know them. Um, they're people who practice their faith in our home, uh, in, in their home. They would have refugees and immigrants in the house all the time. They were constantly giving to people who had need. There were always people who were vulnerable and hurting around our dinner table. We took our family abroad. We lived in Romania when I was a kid for a little while. An opportunity to serve there in this post-communist 1990s situation, I learned a ton there. So the yeses at first um, were because I saw it lived out by my parents. But then you get a little older and you become a teenager and then you move back to this toddler phase where like how, how little people, the first word is what? No. And then you become a teenager and you start saying a lot of no's again because I don't know, you think you know better and you got some swagger and some hormones running through you. And so when I was around that age, uh, when I was moving into grade nine, this building opened, 1999 was when I was in grade nine. Now you can start doing the math, I'll save you the time, 33 years old. And in 1999, this building opened and my family came. And uh, I was a grade nine student at Anderson CVI. And uh, 
I love this church in some ways because it had like movie theater seats instead of pews. And it had this, we don't even use it anymore, but here in Ajax we have this jumbotron, we used to call it, this thing up there that used to be our projector. I've never seen anything like it. But you're an awkward teenager and so you're really reluctant to say yes to getting involved in anything. And so actually the first yes I had here at C4 was my mom who made me say yes. She told the youth group that I played the violin. Not very well, they didn't ask that part, but my mom made me join the worship team. <laughs> Thanks, mom. And uh, it was amazing, actually. From there, I uh, was forced to come because I had practices and stuff, which led me actually to develop an amazing community of friends here. As a teenager, I learned about worship, but, but one of the most significant relationships for me was with my youth pastor. I don't know if you know, but our teaching pastor here, John Thompson, he was the youth pastor when I was an awkward teenager. I have some pictures for proof. I'm gonna throw them up on the screen. This is when John Thompson baptized me. There's the drowned rat, 15-year-old Joanna. And then on the, on the right side, the black and white, I think we're about, I'm about 17 there with my youth pastor, John. And John's here sitting in the front row. We both look a little different today, thank the Lord. And, and uh, John was a significant part of my discipleship. He gave me all kinds of opportunities to say yes. Uh, he saw leadership skills in me. He saw communication skills in me. He saw worship abilities in me, creative skills, um, things that I was only beginning to discover myself. But he, as my leader, gave me opportunities to say yes all the time. The youth group was growing. It was like a small high school. It was hundreds and hundreds of students at that time. If anybody was here at that time, you know what that was like under John's leadership. And um, there was this a revival really happening. Students all over the region were becoming Christians, and I was sort of on the front lines of serving and being discipled by John and as one of the youth leaders in the group. And uh, it was... It was a significant time of discipleship for me, a significant time of yes, partly just because, uh, I don't know if any of you, if you're women who've grown up in the church, maybe this will resonate with you. I found myself growing up and I, there's this phrase that I like to use, help, I'm a leader stuck in a woman's body. Like, I didn't know what to do because I'd never seen women lead or speak in church. It was what men did. And Pastor John gave me opportunity. He saw that I could do this, and he taught me how to understand my role and my giftings in the church. So from there, I, uh, so thank you, John. I honor you. And from there, I, I went on to university. I went to Waterloo, went to Wilfrid Laurier. And after that, I was, I was on a track of communications, business, marketing. And I was working after university in a high-tech company, lots of high-tech companies in Waterloo. And it doesn't really matter what it did, but what we sold, our primary product, was what it looked like was just a big black box. So inside it did fancy technologies, and you'd buy stacks of them if you were like an internet service provider, and you'd read the internet and spy on people on your internet. And uh, anyways, so the graphic designer pulls me over, his, over to his desk one day, and he says, hey, Joe, I got this main product, this big black box up on the screen. I said, what can I do to, to spice this up? You know, he's trying different filters and effects, and he's like, what can I do to make this look sexy? Bud, there's nothing you can do to make this look sexy. It's a big black box. But in that moment, I felt like God spoke to me. There was another invitation to yes. He just, in this quiet, in, in that cubicle, I can picture it today, 
I felt like the Lord said to me inside, what are you doing, Joe? You don't care about the big black box. You know that I'm inviting you. Would you come and use your communication skills for the church? I want you to be a communicator of Jesus to people. And so I uh, soon after unexpectedly became a young adults pastor at my local church. They asked me, even though I told them all the reasons it was a terrible idea to hire a 22-year-old with no proper education to be the young adults pastor, they said yes, and the group grew by God's grace. And then along the way, uh, my old youth pastor, he had become the senior leader here at this church, and he called me up. And he invited me to, to consider a position here at the church. And I said, no, no thanks, I'm good. And if you know anything about John Thompson, he called again. And he called again, and he called again. And so finally I'm like, okay, John, I'm gonna think about this. I'm really gonna think about it. I brought it in prayer to my community in Waterloo. And in, in really a profound series of events, it became so clear to me that every reason I had for not coming back to Ajax was rebuttaled in the scriptures and in the, the things that God was saying to me at that time. So I accepted, here's a, here's, a, here's a job tip, don't do this. I accepted the job at C4 over Skype while crying. I'm with John and Dave, pastors John and Dave, and they're on the other end of the video, and I barely know Dave at this point. And I'm like, I will take the job. <laughs> don't do that. Career tips by Joanna. <laughs> and I, I've been here ever since. I said yes. And I've said some yeses and some noes along the way in the last eight years working here. And here we are at this moment. And so just like Peter, who is invited by Jesus, hey, from now on, why don't you come fish for people? I felt in that big black box moment that Jesus said to me, hey, Joanna, these communication skills that you have, why don't you use them for the church, the whole church? so I said, yes. Maybe for you, you're a banker, and he wants you to invest in people. That's his invitation to you. Or maybe you're a lawyer, and he wants you to bring justice for people and the oppressed. And maybe you're a teacher, and he wants you to teach truth to the next generation, especially as we go back to school this September. Maybe you're a stay-at-home parent, or you're a caregiver, and he wants you to be caring and compassionate to people in Jesus' name. I don't know what your skill set, I don't know what your profession, but we see over and over, and it's true of my story, that in a series of saying yes, from childhood to that youth group, that youth group leadership through university and, and then up until today, I said yes and I said some no's, but when I said yes, this whole new world opened up to me. So why, why is it that we don't always say yes? Uh, you know, you see in, in Peter, he didn't always say yes. He dropped the ball a, a number of times in the story of his life. We're not going to read it all today, but it's because fear leads us to this habit of saying no. Fear leads us to this habit of no. Practicing yes is like building up a muscle, but our go-to response or instinctual thing to do is to say no. I was um, surprised, actually. I did like a little 
unscientific survey this week. I just went on social media, and some of you may have seen it if you're connected with me on social media, and I just posted last Monday to y'all, what, uh, what's something that keeps you from saying yes to Jesus? And I thought I'd get a few different answers, but I had about 20 different people reply, and everyone's answer in some way related to fear. Uh, I'm, I'm afraid because what if I fail? I'm afraid because what if I heard wrong? I'm afraid because what if Jesus isn't really good? I'm afraid because what if I lose something? I'm afraid because I don't know if I'll have enough resource or money to do that thing that I'm being asked to do. I'm afraid, I'm afraid, I'm afraid. See, in Luke 22, verse 54, you can see it in a few of the Gospels. Jesus is arrested. He didn't do anything wrong, but he's betrayed by a friend and he's arrested. And Peter, who just before, like hours earlier, had said, Jesus, I'll like go to death with you. <laughs> well, now things are getting real. And he's in a courtyard outside of where this sort of fake trial is happening. And he says three different times to three different people, I don't even know Jesus. No, I don't know him. No, I've never met him. No, I don't even know the guy. I have nothing to do with him. We're from nowhere near the same place. No, no, no. Because he was afraid. He was afraid for his personal safety, a legitimate fear at that time for him. And so later on, Jesus, uh, spoiler alert, we sang about it today, Jesus rose from the dead, so he died, rose again. Great. And, um, and Peter, though, at this point in the story, has no idea what to do with himself. Peter is back fishing, Again, back to his old habits, back to something that was familiar and safe and practical for him. So him and his buddies are back on their fishing boat, and we don't have time to read the whole story, but in, in John at verse 21, or sorry, John chapter 21, we see, uh, we see that Jesus is back hanging out on the shore again, Jesus who's risen from the dead, Jesus. And he's standing on the shore and he says to them in this chapter, hey, he, they don't know that it's him. They're, they can't really tell that it's him yet. And he says to them, hey, catch anything? Why don't you try throwing your nets down on the other side? And when they do it, just like the earlier story, they catch so much fish that their boats begin to sink and their eyes are opened and they realize the guy on the shore is Jesus. Peter jumps out of the boat and runs to shore. There's this beautiful picture where Jesus is found in that moment, he's grilling fish for breakfast. So gorgeous. This, this God who rose from the dead is just making them breakfast like a friend would do. Good friend. Somebody make me breakfast. And so he's grilling this breakfast. And he says, starting at verse 12, Jesus said, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. And again, Jesus said a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter said, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, yes, Lord, you know everything. You know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, 
feed my sheep. And then he said, come, follow me. And so he reinstates Peter in this part of the story, right back where they started, right back where the first invitation to yes happened, right there beside the fishing boats and all the smell and all the noise and all the, all the normalness of that scenario at that time. They're eating breakfast, and he invites him to say yes, say yes, say yes. After this, Jesus ascends, the Holy Spirit comes, because God never leaves us or forsakes us. The Holy Spirit comes and empowered by the Holy Spirit, Peter in Acts 2, he goes out and he preaches this amazing sermon we can read in Acts 2, and, and he goes and thousands of people in one day convert to become followers of Jesus. It's this wild thing, and then you can read in, in the story of the New Testament more about Peter's life and ministry. We have some of his writings in the New Testament. And, and we know uh, in church history that not only did that whole thing with the Vatican and the, you know, the Basilica and the Michelangelo things and all these amazing stuff, that was later, but, but before that actually he was crucified too later in his life. He, he died and, and the church history says that he um, didn't want to be crucified like Jesus. He didn't think he was worthy of it, so uh, he actually was crucified upside down Ugh. because he had said yes. And he had said yes, and he said yes, and he'd said yes, I love you, Jesus. And see, a yes doesn't mean to be impulsive, throwing out all your old routines, or going just wherever the wind blows. This yes does not lack healthy boundaries, and it's not that we have to live up to some expectation of other people in our yes. It's all about the one who invites us to go with him. Like, you know, is this Jesus garbage dump material? Have you built a track record with him that you'd, you'd say yes? You'd get your rubber boots on? See, Jesus is the one who invites us. And as we start to say yes to simple things like, hey, can I borrow your boat? Whatever that metaphor is in our lives. Whatever that translates to for us today. Maybe you, have a, maybe you have a literal boat that could be used for something. I don't know, but it's, a, it's an analogy. Work with me. Whatever he invites us into, we're building a track record with him over time. We don't have to um, commit all of ourselves in every possible way all at once. Jesus is so gracious and so gentle with us as we build trust and build relationship that he just says, hey, can I borrow your boat? Yeah, okay. And then next, hey, uh, that went well. Hey, uh, why don't we go fishing, even though it's a terrible time of day to do so? Uh, all right, well, because you said so. All right, I'll do it. And then, hey, why don't you come and follow me into this big adventure of fishing for people instead of fish? And he says, yes, because of the track record that Jesus is growing with him, this miraculous thing that he sees Jesus do, that he knows there's something so holy and amazing about this person who asks. Jesus is the one who invites. He's all power and might. He's beauty and he's light. He's all consuming, he's all forgiving, he's all merciful and he's gracious. He knows all and he sees all, but he loves all despite seeing it all. He's irresistibly attractive. He's glorious light itself. 
This is the one who invites us to the practice of yes. See, our lives may be so open, they can be so open to the practice of yes, that this invitation from a good God, uh, that, that, see, our first impulse could be a sacred yes, grounded in wisdom, that when he asks us, moment by moment, it's actually not too much to carry. I don't know what brings you here today. I don't know if you come all the time. It's just your routine. I don't know if this is your first time ever, first time ever in a church, uh, first time ever seeing a woman teach. I don't know. I don't know where you're at. But I know that there is an invitation before all of us. And, and the good news is that for those of us amongst us who are not really sure about this whole Christian thing, you know, you're kind of maybe curious about it, but you're not really sure. The good news is, as is from the story of Peter, and actually the story of my own life, he invites us to small yeses, to open ourselves up just to the possibility of what might happen as we get to know him. Uh, he doesn't m make you, you sign your whole life into this thing uh, immediately. He will ask that of you, but not till you get to know each other. He wants to build trust with you, he wants you to see what he's like. He wants to show you his great love and his character and his patience. And that even when we say no, he'll give us another opportunity to say yes. So what is your first yes today? What is your next yes today? He might ask you, hey, can I bore your boat? Hey, that's throw down our nets for a catch, or hey, would you come follow me? Let's fish for people. Or just, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? I'll share a little bit about something that is a yes that I'm being invited to in my life right now. Uh, it's actually to do with my family, it's to do with my dad. Uh, my dad has Parkinson's and uh, that's a, if you know anything about the disease, you know it's horrible. And it strips your body and it strips your mind. And so I'm driving in the car earlier this year. And I don't know about you, but for me, the car is where I do a lot of thinking, processing, and prayer. And I felt again like God was speaking to me an invitation. And I was thinking about my mom and dad. And he said to me, Joanna... Joanna, you know I'm good. You know I'm faithful. You know I have the best things because we've built this track record. So I have something to ask. Will you care for your dad in this season of his life in the ways that he used to care for you when you were little? Tie his shoes. Help him with his shirt. Other things. We don't need to get into it all. And so, just like I accepted that C4 job <laughs> with a yes, yeses for me seem to involve a lot of crying. <laughs> I'm sitting in the car, stuck in traffic, going on the QEW, and I'm crying, and I said yes. Because there's just nothing else I could say to this Jesus who I know and love. 
It's an honor and a privilege to serve my dad in this season, and it's shaping me in ways I never could have expected. No, it's an ending, while yes marks a beginning. No closes the door, but yes, it kicks it wide open. No warns me to turn back, while yes beckons me forward. No is an act of finality, while yes is an expression of faith, even if it's just small. Saying yes to the good, the true, the beautiful in life, it's one of those Christ-like things that we can do to be like Christ, to be a Christian, a little Christ. Follow after Jesus. As the Apostle Paul wrote, and as we sang this morning, with Jesus, it was always yes and amen. The promises of God fulfilled in the person, the God person of Jesus. Yes and amen. Yes to the promises God has given, and so be it. Amen, so be it, so be it. Yes, and so be it. I'm gonna invite you to stand. We're gonna pray. I'm gonna invite you to take a step of yes. We're gonna practice our yes today, if you would like. Because as always, you don't have to. I'm gonna invite you maybe to take a first practice of yes, or maybe just your next yes. A first yes could just be, okay, Jesus, I don't even know if you're real, but I'm open. A first yes could be, oh, maybe I have something that could like, help serve other people. I have some, literally, like a boat. I have something in my life that I could use to serve, and I think maybe I'm supposed to do that. And next yes, well, it could be all kinds of things. But as we get to know him and build that track record, we know he's good and he's faithful. So I'm inviting you to pray with me for the first yes or your next yes. And I'd like you to raise your hand if that's you. I'm going to do it too. I'm raising my hand. We're going to pray. Would you pray? If you want to say yes, your first yes or your next yes, raise your hand with me and we're going to pray. Oh, Jesus, we say yes. Even if it uh, feels strange or even if we're not really sure where this is going to lead us, we're going to take a small or large leap of faith and say yes. Say yes to you. We open ourselves up more to you than we did before this moment to the thing that you're inviting us into, this grand adventure. God, we trust you or we're trying to trust you with the five steps down the way. But we just want to say yes to this next thing, whatever that may be. Jesus, give us courage. Give us the courage of someone like Peter who had messed up so many times and bumbled and fumbled and failed you and yet you invite him back. And you invited him into a grand adventure of his life. Uh, Because I know this to be true of my life too, that your plans are so much better than ours. That saying yes to you opens a door that we could never have imagined. Your plans are higher, your ways are better. The yes to you is always good. So Jesus, we say yes. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us. To connect to the ministries of C4, visit c4church.com.